0: Hey, this is Josh Noble from the band Larkins, and you are listening to Tobin Tonight.
1: How are you doing? How has self-isolation been?
0: It's okay. I mean, we, (laughs) we were supposed to be in the States right now, so we came home from the States due to Corona, and then we kind of moved everything from our studio into our flat. So I've been working out the flat um since. But I mean, listen, man, like we've got it bad, but at the same time, like, there's a lot of other people out there. I've got it a hell of a lot worse. So I'm happy. I'm getting to write loads of music, getting time to finish off stuff that I've been meaning to finish for forever. So it's good. It's good.
1: In the spirit of fun, with the self-isolation, of course, you just said you moved everything to your flat. I seen that you kind of got into the podcasting world. Like, what are you doing? That's my world. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: a bit weird. I mean, like, it was one of those things where I'm obsessed with podcasts. I listen to, like, at least one every morning. So it's a kind of, like, something that I've always, like, been fascinated by. But I guess it was just the chance for me to, like, show off a lot of the people that I work with in the team, like... When Larkins do a show or when Larkins do a shoot or the band does something, there's so many people involved with that and so many creatives who have their own jobs and stuff. And I've never really got the chance to go, look at how fucking good this person is. (laughs) um, So I guess that's my chance to do it, you know?
1: I was amazed because I was looking at uh, a few that you posted, and I see that you are—you uh, had one that you had, a—I think it was like a Yankees jersey on. And, I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I don't know, Josh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: I, mean, I mean, I'm more on the baseball style end of things, I guess, more than the
1: teams. So I'm no, sure I've,
0: f- I've got a Red Sox as well, I'm sure.
1: Good, good. That's what I want to see the next time. So at least I can make a comment and be like, yeah, it's my boy wearing okay. a Boston Red Sox. Okay, cool. Um, I'm on it. I'm on it. When did you start playing music and uh, forming the band? Because I, I heard that you guys, especially you, you, you had an interest where your father played music, and at the time you didn't really have much of a uh, an appreciation for it. But over time, it kind of grew on you. So yeah, expand on that.
0: I guess we grew up in like a really small town that wasn't particularly musical, and I guess like myself and Dom, our parents were kind of outliers in how much they were into music, whether it's from like the seventies and the eighties, and then. Dom kind of had this inspiration from his dad that was 60s music and like folk music. So I guess it was kind of that, but it just took us a bit of time to realize how important that music was. I think we were both always into pop music, but I guess the moment that we met, maybe when we were 12 or 13, that was a catalyst, like a big turning point for the both of us. So I guess then was the point where we both started to approach music differently because we did it together. So I guess like that age, probably like 12, 13, we both started like going to his garage after school, um, like locking the door, making sure that the neighbors weren't getting pissed off and just playing guitars. And that's all we did. That's all we did for like five, six years.
1: And then I guess that kind of grew to forming the band and then adding the other members because I read somewhere along the way that you will debate this, that one of your members is, I guess, the best at what they do.
0: Yeah, Henry, our bass player, is insanely good on his instrument. And I remember, like, we both had this, me and Dom used to go to this guitar teacher. And I remember the guitar teacher saying, Why don't you just come to the lessons together? We were like, Yeah, we do everything else together. So why not? That's fine. And, like, we started, like, I guess that was the forming of it. But when we then said to him, Like, we really need this bass player, he was like, Well, I teach this other kid. You remember him. He went to school with you, but he was, like, a couple of years younger. And, like, he's a bit immature. So you might have to, like, We were like, No, no, that's fine like yeah he was fucking amazing man i remember him coming, his dad dropped him off at the audition so we would have been like 18 maybe 17 he was like 15 which was nuts i can't imagine what he was thinking at the time but henry was this kid in school like we grew up in a very very middle class right wing kind of white town and henry was the only black kid in okay. school so it was just like it was like everyone knew henry Life for the wrong reasons and the fact that what they should have known him for was the fact that he was fucking unbelievable on bass. yeah
1: his dad was probably just like dropping him off to like good someone else wants him for a couple of hours yeah you take care you take yeah. care
0: of
1: him <laughs> we've definitely become his full-time
0: carers believe me um
1: and i guess i, I kind of want to bring this up as well because again everyone has a, a musical influence people that inspire him to do music when i was reading a bit of your bio and looking at previous interviews and I guess I'm in the same way going to compare you with you know the 1975 and Oasis. But yeah. in fairness, yeah. I've read that you do appreciate both these bands. <clears throat> but who are some of your earlier influences?
0: We do appreciate that. Like even being heralded in any way, shape, or form by those bands is a good thing, I think. But I mean, when we were like growing up, the big, a massive band for us. I know they're not huge in the US. But it was a band called Falls. And they were like, they were like math rock. And it was like, it was the coolest band to like, if you liked that band, you were cool. I guess it's the only, the parallel arc and draw is like with bands like Tame Impala. It was like super hipster, super cool, really interesting music. There was a style that came along with it. But I mean, for me, like songwriting wise, there were bands like The Killers and Elbow and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. So, I mean, even Duran Duran to an extent when I started like looking in production. Like those kind of bands, Genesis. I remember having a stage where I was obsessed with Heim. <laughs> I remember when Heim got their first album and that was like the band. So yeah, loads of stuff.
1: It's always interesting to me because again, where we're Canadian, like there are bands in Canada that people don't know about because they're just kind of either small or local or haven't hit it big, but people are yeah. kind know of. So it's interesting to me that you have the dynamic of the bigger name bands and smaller name bands that kind of draw your influence.
0: Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, I'm sure you hear this all the time about Avril Lavigne, but like, I literally remember getting in my dad's little, like, Fiesta little Ford Fiesta, and he had three albums in there. And there was Led Zeppelin Five, there was Maroon Five songs about Jane, and there was Avril Lavigne's first record. And I remember, I, I reckon I could sing every word of every song on that first Avril Lavigne record
1: that's see that's cool that's really interesting because you know in Canada right now like I mean Avril Lavigne had her peak I'm not saying that she's still not relevant but it's just I that, get that the whole Hello Kitty thing and the Nickelback yeah. thing was a bit fucked up wasn't it yeah yeah but it's just so funny because when you mention that it's like you know if someone in a Canadian act mentioned um like a UK band that we never heard of or like that yeah. came relevant and then you're just like really you guys heard, you like you're really just surprised like when you mentioned Avril Lavigne, I was just like, really? Like, you You know Avril Lavigne? Oh,
0: the, yeah, but like, to me, Avril Lavigne is the first record. Like, that first record is insanely good. Oh, it's yeah. It's so good on so many levels. Like, production, um, the way she's written the songs, the way she sounds, the way she, like, genre jumps between shit. Like, <laughs> mate, that that first record is so fucking good.
1: Yeah, so if we ever get Avril Lavigne on the podcast, we'll be like, "Yo, the guy from Larkins, Josh, gave you a a shout out."
0: Yeah, she'll be like,
1: "Who the fuck is it?" (laughs) Yeah, and then like, and then like five years later, you'll be doing a tour and then be like, "Oh, you?" And then be like, "Yeah, we were on that podcast that one time."
0: Maybe I could ask her to support us, but like, be like, "You can only play the first record." (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. She, she'd just be like, "Excuse me," and you just be like, "Well, like, come on, we're we're the headline here. Come on, Uh, yeah, be realistic." (laughs) Now, when people do compare you with like the bands of the 1975, um, because mm-hmm. I, I've I've read that you both have a similar with, I think it's Matt Healy, um, a yeah. similar like hairstyle, similar kind of boat lead singers, do you ever get annoyed? Because I know, for example, we have a, I think it's a musician, Ryan Adams, and when yeah. people compare him to Brian Adams, he just goes ballistic, so do okay. you kind of at times go like... Stop comparing me, or you're like, yeah, it's flattering, but hey, why don't listen to our music and see that we're a little bit different as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't really, I don't really care. Like, I remember like when we first started, people used to come to shows, and it would be just like Michael Hutchinson. Do you remember the <laughs> band In Excess?
1: Uh, I've like, heard of them. Yeah.
0: So if you go and check him out, like it's exactly the same. Like we have a similar look. Like our music is polar opposites, but it was the same thing. Like I, I'm not really bothered by it. I mean, like as long as people like our music, I think it just sometimes. I think with stuff like that, you start to, like, look at why you're different and how you can be different, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think when creatives strive to be different, that's probably a good thing. So, I mean, yeah, I don't really give, I don't really care. Like, I think we cross over sonically a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, it's what it is, I guess.
1: You did a Canadian date, I believe, in March. Was this your first trip here, and how did you find it?
0: Yeah, first time in Toronto. um, Amazing. I loved Canada. I loved the people. I mean, the service was unreal. We went to New York swiftly afterwards and there was such a, like a difference, <laughs> but, um, I loved it, man. I thought Toronto was great. I thought it was, it felt like a little bit like a, a larger version of where we live in Manchester. It felt like a lot of it felt quite independent, which I quite liked, but yeah, man, I really liked it. The show was fun as well. I mean, it was amid the big kind of first big wave of Corona scare. Okay. So I mean, it definitely put some people off which I totally fucking understand. But, I mean, it was still really fun. Getting gear out to Canada is a nightmare. <laughs> like, we spent two days searching for our gear. But other than that, it was really, really good fun.
1: And I-, I like that, because I was going to say, you're on a Canadian podcast. If you don't put the Canadians over... They're they're not going to say much. They're just going to apologize. Um, <laughs> they'll be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you had a bad time." That's no, so that, nice. That, that's awesome. Do you do you figure in the future when all this virus is over with that you'll try to make more tour uh, tour dates within, say, Vancouver, even the East Coast, or is it just morally sticking within the main stage?
0: No, 100%. We definitely want to. I mean, even the first day we got there, we held meetings with a few um, people over there about, like, production and ways that we could kind of elevate the Canadian show. And if we were to route Canada, how we would do that. So it's definitely in the pipeline.
1: Awesome. Okay, well, we'll stay tuned for that. So, again, you were talking about coming from the small city and going to Manchester. Now, you've come a long way from performing in the bars... What were some hardships that you had to overcome to like you know get out of the city per se?
0: I guess I guess those comparisons were always tricky coming from Manchester because it's so rich in history of like Oasis, The Smiths, The 75. It was sometimes it felt a little bit like the loudest band was the band that came over the best that night and we were never the loudest band, we were always striving to try and make like it sounds horribly cliché but we were trying to make beautiful music. That was always the point to try and make special moments. And when we were playing clubs and bars, we were playing the circuit. That sometimes was a bit of a graft. And we started so young. We were 16, 17 when we did our first shows. And we were playing with bands that were a hell of a lot older than we were. And a lot of the bars, like we couldn't get in because we didn't have ID. I mean, there were times when I remember going to the doorman and saying, you have to let me in, I'm about to play. Hmm. And he was like, no, you've not got ID. I mean, that's what it was like. We used to just... We'd grab our parents, we'd be like, please, can we borrow the car? Can you please drive us in uh, to play a show? And, like, that was how we did it. That was just how things were done. Like, we did that for maybe a year. We played, for, I don't know, we went to four shows a week, five shows a week, something like that. And it was just a, just a like, it was so competitive. It was just us trying to be better than everybody else. And, like, it was definitely not there yet, but there was... There was a point, I think, where we started to believe that we could compete with, you know, some of the bigger acts.
1: And I think that's like the kind of attitude that you, you kind of have to have in a sense of like, you know, you, you don't want to be. Can I remember you said this in, a, in one of your interviews with I think it was like an upcoming musician that was doing an interview with you that if you're doing a show or if you're doing a performance like you, you have to sell it. You have to be engaged because people will know if you're not, if you're not passionate yeah. about it. And I think that's really something that I'm sure that young person that did the interview with you was kind of like, Oh God. Uh, but at the same time is that like yeah. you're just being real with them and you're not going to come across like, oh, I've got nothing to tell you. Just keep striving ahead. It's like, yeah. but I think you end up going through the motions.
0: I yeah. think that the, the big thing is like having a rain check sometimes us, especially with dorm as, as being like as close as we are, we know when each other aren't ticking over properly. And on the last tour was, it was a really big tour for us. We did nearly 40 dates and I think we got to date 35 and we stood on stage. I'd been to London all morning and then basically got a private car back up to play the show. And I stood on stage midway through the set and just thought, this is the worst thing ever. I can't do this anymore. I like, am I was going through the motions and afterwards we were like, right, we're going to have to cancel some shows because this isn't right. This isn't how we want to do things. We need to reschedule. Okay. So, I mean, you've just got to be prepared to be to either give it everything or don't bother turning up that's always been our mentality from date one of the first show we ever did three four years ago to now and i think that's hopefully as long as we can stick to that that's the plan and then hopefully that'll serve us pretty well
1: and yeah, and I like your passion there for the answer and being very dedicated because I know you guys even create your own merch, uh, Animals in Costume. You kind of gave that a, a yeah. shout out in your uh, TV Dream song. How did that idea came to be? Was it just that the merch you were looking at was like, this is rubbish, I don't like it? Or did you just think that, you know, something else that we could probably do better or create something better?
0: I think I think it was a combination of everything. I think massively it was, one, we realized what we were selling wasn't good enough. So, a black t shirt, you know, where it'd been, we'd found like really cheap t shirts from abroad, usually made in Asia, but in really poor quality, not paying staff right. I mean, there was no moral compass there. And I think our politics as we got older had changed and we were more socially aware. And I started to think we can do more, we can do better. We'd started to really, I think as you get to 15, 16, you really start to realize whether you're going to be into fashion or not. And as four, four lads, coming out of where we'd come from it was very apparent to us that it wasn't cool to be into fashion but we were and yeah. that was just how it was we, we we realized that we were and the band allowed us to express that so i just said to the boys like i think it's time that i really want to start a clothing brand i really want to start like um a company so we should do that but we should run the merchandise through it and this is going to allow us to do loads of things so i basically put out a post on larkins which has like 20 30,000 followers without anyone knowing, not telling management, not telling our label. I just put a post out saying, if we do merchandise, if I start this clothing brand, it's gonna be more expensive, it's gonna take longer to get to you, but it's gonna be ethically sourced, it's gonna have a moral compass and a backbone, it's gonna be distributed in the right way and everyone's gonna get paid for it, and the quality's gonna be so superior to anything we've done before, what do you think? And the response was just like, yes please do this. This, you know, the, the, it's crying out for this. And as like a relatively small band in the whole scheme of things, like it was bold. And now we get to turn up to shows and bands won't put their merch out because they realize that they're not, they're not doing the right thing. And I love that. I think that's a really good thing. You're challenging people. So I'm really, I'm really, really proud. I think that's probably the best thing we've ever done as a band so far. Like in that realm, I feel really proud of the brand, the brand's building loads it's all in-house it's just me dom and um one of our best friends stella um who designed stuff for us we do it all ourselves and i'm really really proud of it i think it's really important that we keep that going
1: well i i congratulations and, and i give you props for that because it's sometimes bands just say Thanks. like no we're just gonna do music and fuck everything else like you know you yeah. you do the merch but i like that you're very dedicated and like the fact that now bands are basically going like "Oh shit like uh we're not putting our stuff out because ours is garbage compared to that. But I, I know from dealing with it myself, like I doing a podcast, like I came up with an idea a, a few weeks ago of I just want like a hoodie or something for myself to advertise. And, uh, yep. you know, I was like, well, geez, I don't want to wear like a $20 hoodie that someone just grabs and then can easily rip just in case if anyone ever wanted one. So I went out and got like, I think it's like a $55 hoodie, just put an image on it, put the podcast on the back. And I said, if I'm the only one who ever wears this, Great. At least I know that's quality. If someone comes to yeah. me and says, cool, I want one, at least I can feel 100% confident saying, I'm wearing it, so if you want to wear it, great. But I wouldn't feel confident if I wore it and be like, oh man, like, it's not the greatest material, but oh, you're going to buy it? Yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you just, you know straight away and there's so many, so many chances to do that. I think the massive thing for us was when you look at where you're sourcing things and how people source things, you know, when you actually dive into what, what organic means, what 100% organic means, what, um, ethical distribution is, what about ethically sourcing things, like we dove into that head first and when you actually really start to look at it, you have to kind of then try and cover all basis because you then can't go back. Once you decide to go down that route, it's kind of like, right, we're either doing this or we're not.
1: And who came up with, I guess, the, the concept of just calling it animals in costume? Because I, I believe it's it's really creative to just run off the tongue, or is there a story behind it?
0: It was no, it was, I mean, the TV Dream had written before I'd, I'd had the idea to set up the label, and i just, I'd always kind of laid into that line when we sing it live that we're animals in costume. It was this idea that underneath it all, we're still just animals. And I just remember going, I remember hating costume parties as a kid because everyone would put on a costume and be this totally different person. And I thought <laughs> it'd be really interesting to think about the skin people are in as that costume. So, I mean, it was just that. And then just saying like, well, what about if we called it this? And it was like, actually, that could kind of work. So it just came from there, I guess.
1: No, and I like it. I like the name. It's very distinctive. Um... Thanks what's what's next for Larkins besides, you know, the new album EP release? I mean, I have
0: no idea. I mean, the future <laughs> seems so fragile and strange at the moment. I, we're obviously going to try and get out on tour before the end of the year. That's the goal. Whether we can do that safely and responsibly is a different matter. That's the point right now. But yeah, tour, get the debut record to a place that we're all dead proud of it and happy, and then kind of present that to the world and see what people think. I just want to make sure that we're it's kind of unadulterated Larkins that we're doing everything that we can do in that, that debut record.
1: I, I kind of actually want to add this, too, because I, I read this in a uh, in a comment here. You mentioned when people go to your shows, like, just say if they're not a, overly a fan of the music, you, you want to make sure that you're getting something out of it. And you mentioned, like, a shout-out to your light guy, because yeah. one of us some, He's you said this is like a, being on acid without actually being on acid on yeah. the light show. And I was I like, can that, remember that's, it so vividly. that's cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's even
0: like I remember recently because every now and then you have a range of fans and like uh, the people that come and watch us are all different ages, but it tends to be like if people are really young, say 14, they'll bring parents with them. And recently we've had like parents will even come up and just be like, you know what? It's actually pretty good because it's still got those elements of like everything that we've ever listened to is their record collection and is like Genesis and and peter gabriel and fleetwood mac and and i love the fact that we're winning that that side over as well that we can actually do this there's no gimmick there like we're playing live and yeah i I would like to think so whether it's either the styling of the merchandising the way that we engage with our team whether it's the front of house our lighting guy our photographer was on the podcast the other day i mean i like that we're that community and that band and i think hopefully that's going to have a bit of longevity
1: all right, all right. To close it off, do you want to play a game of favorites? Yeah, of course. Let's do it. Name me your uh, favorite band and favorite song growing up. Oh,
0: my favorite band is Led Zeppelin, and my favorite song would be Going to California.
1: Okay, okay. And your, uh, your favorite snack? My favorite snack? Uh, popcorn. So I guess during isolation you've got a lot of popcorn.
0: Yeah, I have such a bad sweet tooth. It's unbelievable.
1: Have you it's ever dangerous. had Stoppers or like sour keys?
0: Yeah, Henry really likes those our bass player. He loves everything sweet, like these things, um what are they called? Like nuclear waste. Oh, okay. In the UK. And they're like unbelievably. They're like gobstoppers on a whole new level. But oh, yeah, wow. I'm not a sour guy, I'm not into it.
1: <laughs> uh well that's that's good. Have a have a sweet personality, right? Um Yeah and what was like your your favorite movies growing up and maybe your favorite tv show today
0: my favorite movies um breakfast club robin hood prince of thieves with kevin costner have you ever seen that
1: i I haven't seen it like i'm a 90s kid like now in isolation i'm gonna watch a whole bunch of stuff and that's probably gonna be on my map watch that
0: it's that's amazing (laughs) tropic thunder you ever seen that
1: i have seen tropic thunder yeah
0: that film is so underrated Yeah, Breakfast Club was a big one. I remember watching that and being like, Oh my god, this is the best film ever. School of Rock was always a big deal yeah. when I was a kid. Jack Black like, growing up good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I was so big as a kid. You've seen um Inside and Davis? I, I haven't Oscar Isaac. That's by the Cohen brothers. That's amazing. You should watch that. And your favourite T V show? I would say (laughs) there's loads. There's like serious ones and not non-serious would be. Have you ever seen One Tree Hill?
1: I have seen One Tree Hill, yeah. A lot of my friends are into that, yeah. I'm so obsessed with that show. It's so embarrassing. That's my
0: guilty (laughs) pleasure show. Uh, I don't know. I I like a load. I like Game of Thrones, um, The Trip, the Steve Coogan thing. I don't know, man. Loads
1: okay so what? if i was if i was to give you some of my favorite ones here now like i i grew up of course on like the boy meets world Say by the bell full house okay. family matters yeah um like okay. my favorite movie of all time is is without a doubt mr deeds even though it's like super corny but love mr deeds. i don't know if i don't know what that is i've never seen you that. haven't seen mr deeds oh man no. you have to go watch it even though if you get halfway through and you're like this is shit i'll be like totally understood but it's my favorite. Yeah. Who's in it? Who is, who's uh, Winona Ryder and Adam Sandler. Okay. It's like a remake of Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, or Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington, okay. I believe. It's one of those. Okay.
0: Uh, I do like Adam Sandler. Yeah. I do like Sandler. Yeah. I mean, there's enough films, you've got to like one it, of them.
1: Exactly. I mean, you can debate like wh- whether, like, you know, with Will Ferrell and Adam Sandler, some of the movies are kind of the same, but, you know, he, there, there's yeah. certain parts in the movies that you just get up and laugh at.
0: Yeah. Have you seen that uncut gems? The new Adam Sandler film.
1: No, I haven't actually. It's one of the things I'm gonna good, I'm gonna bro. watch eventually. And I, I guess a, another final question here, and it's not really much of a favorites, but it's just one of my favorite things growing up was when it came out with Netflix, and I seen that they had the Oasis kind of movie. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was your yeah. thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, both
0: seem like very difficult people. But... Yeah to get on with i remember seeing once um do you know the band the libertines have you heard of them? i
1: have heard of them yeah
0: yeah he, he came out with a really good quote about um about about oasis once pete doherty something about liam being the time ty- the town crier i mean i'd just go off that i mean i don't know man like oasis are what they are i totally get why they were so big
1: yeah but um, it's just so interesting because it's like you know for two brothers that don't get along and like no concept it's like they came from completely different worlds but somehow made it work for so many years to like come out with great yeah. songs and of course i'm sure nearly everyone's favorite one to do on a guitar is like wonderwall or but still yeah to, probably to do that and like you know behind the scenes they're probably like that was the worst set ever we can't i can't believe we did that and then it's like the next the next night they're out there doing it again
0: <laughs> yeah there's a i was in l.a recently writing with a guy called dan nigro and, like finishing off some production bits. And um, we finished early because he sent me home to watch a documentary by uh, a Metallica documentary. I don't know if you've seen this. Okay. It's called Some, Some Kind of Monster. Um, and it's all about Lars Ulrich and James Hetfield at the making of one of their recent albums. You have to watch that documentary. It's unbelievable. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Josh Noble for coming on the show. Remember... You can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night.